Hey, Connection Point Church, welcome to our final week of this series. He's got the whole world in his hands, and we're doing things a little different today, as you can see. We are going to, I'm going to preach this thing uh, live with some passion, but we've also got a studio congregation here, and they're going to be, as always, representing you at home. So when I talk to them, feel free to put it in the chat if I ask them a question. But I'm going to be asking you a question, and I really hope that you will respond, because today... Our topic is everyone's favorite topic. We're going to talk politics. And so I want your opinions on Trump. I want your opinion on Pelosi. I want to know who you're voting. I'm just kidding. Do not put any opinions in the chat. On This is the only time I'm going to say don't put your opinion, don't put your comment in the chat. I don't want to know what you're thinking about politics. But I do want to point out something. That just when we have the suggestion that we're going to talk about Donald Trump or about Nancy Pelosi, or maybe whoever your favorite or your least favorite political party or political person is, we tend to feel that you feel just a little bit of maybe your blood pressure going up. And in fact, there's almost always a response. And in our, our nation has been pretty divided over the last few years. And so I've wanted to preach a message on outrage. And I think that this would be a great week to do so because some of you have been stuck in your home with your spouse or with a family member perhaps who differs in opinion. Maybe they've made your blood boil. Maybe you've had uh, online discussions and, and it's kind of just brought you to a bubbling rage. And so I want to just point out that almost all of us have a tendency to react or to respond or sometimes recoil. Maybe when you heard just a suggestion of a political opponent, you wanted to immediately dogpile and get your opinions in. Maybe you immediately think whenever somebody says something against uh, your opinion or your perspective, you, you think, oh, here we go. I've got to defend myself. I've got to make sure that, that I rally to their defense. Or maybe you just kind of step back and you recoil and you say, you know what? I'm not even going to be a part of this discussion. But here's the situation we face right now. This uh, week, we've started phase one. We're actually beginning to open up the economy in Texas, and I know that this is probably going to affect a lot of us, so I wanted to talk about this, because I think a lot of us are going to be brought to a point of maybe anxiety, maybe outrage or frustration with other people, and we want to know how are we going to navigate this as Christ followers, because the truth is, this is very important, how we navigate outrage. You know, a few years ago, I was uh, driving my car, and it's more than a few years ago. This was probably 20 years ago. I was driving my car at the time. It was a black Mustang, okay? I loved this Mustang. It was a manual transmission, but it started rattling. And every time I would drive it, the rattle would get a little more and a little more, but I was poor, you know, as a broke uh, guy. I was just married, and so I didn't want to make any payment, extra payments on it. And so I just said, I'm going to ride this out, and I'll let it go, and I'll let it go. One day, I'm driving down the highway, and the transmission, I didn't know could do this, it drops out of the car, and it scrapes along the highway, and they have to tow my car all the way back, and I'm stuck on the highway riding in a tow truck. And it was all because I didn't recognize that that rattle was a symptom of something much bigger. And the truth is, when we live right now in a culture of outrage. We live where we let ourselves boil up and fight and argue, and we're so divided sometimes as a nation. We need to understand that this can be a symptom of a larger problem if we're a Christian and we get tangled up in this 
mess. And so today, what we're going to do is we're simply going to try to figure out how should a Christian navigate this culture of outrage, okay? Now, the first text I want to, to give to us is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to see that Paul has the exact same perspective. Did you know outrage culture has been a thing for much longer than just the last few years? This is what was happening with Paul. He's talking to his church, and his church is a smart church. It's in Corinth. He's writing a letter because he's heard some things that are going on. And this is what he says. He says, when one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints. Now, what was frustrating Paul was that he had brothers in Christ, Christ followers, who were getting in arguments, and they were actually demanding justice, and they were taking it before secular courts. Now, he meant legal courts, but he wasn't talking about criminal offenses. He wasn't talking about somebody, you know, had shot his mom or something like that. He's talking about uh, kind of misdemeanors, little things that could have been overlooked. He's talking about slander. Somebody said something mean about him. He's talking about uh, maybe somebody borrowed your rake and didn't give it back. It was these little offenses. And he says, you know, you're doing more damage. Do you dare, he says, take this before the unrighteous. When he says unrighteous, he's just meaning the, the non-churched people. Do you take this out and air your grievances among people that aren't Christians? Now, going on, I'm going to skip down to verse 4. It says, so you if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. So kind of for us, this would be when we have a disagreement, maybe we have an argument, a political argument, or just a difference of opinion, and we might air those grievances. Maybe you air it in front of everyone in your house rather than just one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe you go to social media. And, and, and you take it to everyone, and you say, this is the way it should be. This is what I believe should have been done. And you air that in front of everyone. Paul says, when you do this, he says, it, it, it's not a good thing. I say this to your shame. He said, can it be that there is no one among you who is wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? In other words, is there no Christian response to this? Is there no one to guide you away from the outrage and into a biblical perspective? But your brother goes to law against brother, and that before the unbeliever. Now, I want to make sure this word unbeliever uh, might seem kind of harsh, but he's just making the point that there are people who don't believe in Christ yet. There are people who, who haven't found that the love of Christ, haven't been drawn to God through Christ, and it's damaging our reputation as brothers in Christ when we air our grievances to those who are outside, who haven't yet trusted in Christ. He's saying this does a lot of damage. And so he's going to give us some, some advice, and I think that as you begin to see the advice that Paul gives, it's going to be, I think, among the most challenging advice you've ever received. In fact, for some of us, the way we respond to outrage, either in front of people at home, uh, with our spouse, with our loved ones, or even online with people we don't know that well, our friends, if you will, where you're going to see that Paul's advice is probably advice you've never gotten, okay? And so what I want to do is I want us to look at how should a Christian respond to offense, outrage, or even being slightly perturbed, okay? 
Now, the first thing Paul says to do, again, is very difficult. He says, you should suffer wrongs. His advice to those who are being sued or or want to sue somebody, even if they have a a just claim, a legal claim, look at what he says in verse 7. He says, to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. He says, why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather just be defrauded? If somebody has hurt you, why not just let them hurt you? Why do you feel you have to defend it? He says, but you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. And this is what he's saying. When you demand justice or when you demand that that your opinion, your rights, that, that you be heard above everyone else, especially when it's another Christ follower, when you do this in front of of unbelievers, people who are not Christ followers, he says, you actually, you are committing wrong. You are hurting the name of Christ. And so Paul's advice to us is to be very careful when we are outraged, be very careful when we are offended, because our response could actually be wrong, even if you're right. Isn't that, I mean, that's, that is a powerful thing. This is the way Jesus says it. Jesus is a, a little more clear, I think, sometimes, or straightforward. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 38. He says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. In other words, hey, they said this to me. I'm going to say this to them. Jesus says, I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Jesus would be saying basically, hey, if somebody said something that you disagree with online, hey, let them keep talking. Let them keep saying, you don't have to respond if anything. You can, if it's about you, you can let it as well. You can, you can let them say it. You don't have to have that idea that I'm always going to defend myself. Now, the next thing that Jesus says is even more difficult, I think. He says, you've heard it say you shall love your neighbor and you shall hate your enemy. Now, that's how, that's how the world works. You love the people that love you. You hate the people that hate you. But Jesus says that's not how a Christ follower responds. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Jesus is very clear. If there's someone who frustrates you, whether they're in your household or whether they're online, that you need to make sure that you are loving them and praying for them first. And see, this is one of the most difficult things about being a Christ follower is we trust God to to give us vengeance. We trust that God is going to make things right. And this is the heart of a Christ follower. We don't have to defend ourselves. We trust God to repay. And so I have a question and I want you to to put it in 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 the chat. And the reason I want you to put it in the chat is because I think there's a common experience that that we've all had. Abraham Lincoln, in fact, is the first person I know that that would do what I'm going to ask you, okay? Abraham Lincoln had this habit where he would write a letter whenever he was frustrated or mad, and he would write the letter, and then he would not sign it and not send it. He would put it in his desk and just let it sit there. And so there's one of his most famous where it was to General Meade. He was so mad that he, he could have ended the war, and he missed out. He missed General Lee, and so he let Lee go, and it ended up prolonging the war. Lincoln was so mad, he writes this long, eloquent letter, and it's full of his anger. 
and he blames uh, uh, General Meade, but he doesn't send the letter. Here's the first question I want to ask. Have you ever written an email or social media post and not sent it? You've done that? Beth's done that? Put that in the chat. I want to know, have you done that? Have you ever sent uh, or not sent something that you wrote? You guys have done that? All right, now, how did it make you feel when you, when you did this? Did you feel good for writing? When you're writing it out, how did it make you feel? Good? Bad? Yeah, good. Okay. Now, have you ever regretted the fact, though, that you didn't send it? No. It's almost always, or you're like, you know, there's never this moment. Yeah, you almost always have this relief that, oh, thank God I did not send this, because you realize that cooler heads will prevail. And a lot of times the situation might resolve itself, but the damage that you can do when you refuse or when you demand, I should say, when you demand justice, when you're unwilling to suffer a wrong, that damage can be irreversible, especially to the name of Christ. And so what are we going to do? Here is what Proverbs 29, 11 says. It says, A fool gives vent to his anger, but a wise man holds it in check. So the next time that we're outraged, the next time that we are frustrated, we are not going to give vent to our anger. And if we do, we're going to do it and not send it. We're going to do it and not sign it because a wise man holds it in check. It might be there, but he holds it and he puts it away. He holds it in check. All right, the next thing that whenever we, uh, the, the next way we respond is this. We should always go to Scripture. It's real easy when we have an opinion uh, to just put it out there. This is what Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, or 4, 6 through uh, 8. Now, the context you're going to see is, is the same, that there are people with wildly different opinions. And, and, and they ha- some of these opinions are destructive, the Christians believe are destru- destructive. So they're asking Paul, he, he's basically, it's been asked, Paul, how do we respond to this? He says this, if you put these things, in other words, these wild opinions or your thought Put these things before the brothers. You will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Being trained, the brothers are trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. So he says, listen, anytime you are outraged and you come against somebody's opinion that that you disagree with, and you want to tell he says the first thing you need to do is take it before brothers who are trained with words of faith and of the doctrine. In other words, people that know the scripture. Take it to them first. Have nothing to do with just silly myths. If it's not God's truth, I promise you, it is a silly myth. Even if it was on Fox News, even if it was on CNN, even if it was on your favorite outlet, if it's not God's word, I promise you, it is an irreverent myth. He says, rather train yourself for godliness. Did you know if you're a Christ follower before you're a Republican, before you're a Democrat, that you are training in godliness? That is our true job here on earth, is we are training for godliness. He says, for a while, for, for a while bodily training, while getting ripped is one thing, he says, it's got some value. Godliness is a value in every way as it holds the promise for this present life and for the life to come. Remember, this life is simply preparation or training for the next life. And so we should always be trying to find God's perspective and living godliness, okay? 
And so the question I, I want you to answer in the chat and the question that I'm going to ask you guys here is this. How do you respond to outrage? What is your response? Do you react, meaning do you just, with the first thing that comes to mind, that's what you're going to do? You're going to, if you're, if you're frustrated, you're going to um, get frustrated. You're just going to blow up sometimes. You're just going to go crazy. Or maybe you retaliate. That is, you sit down and you think, this is how I'm going to hurt them. This is how I'm going to get right at them and get my opinion known. Or maybe you recoil. Maybe you just say, you know what, I'm out. I'm out. I don't want to have anything to do with it. If you see a discussion online or if you are at home at the Thanksgiving table and, and they start talking politics, your, your reaction is, I'm out. How do you respond to outrage? How do y'all respond? Okay, so Beth, she's, she's out. She just says, you know what? I don't want to be a part of it. Michael, that's kind of your... It's not worth engaging. That's a lot of time. I react. <laughs> Ash, Ashley's honest. I, she reacts, okay? I think that's, that's normal too. Teresa, what about you? It's going to surprise you, but I'm kind of the dean. Okay, well... There, there actually is a D. Very good. Teresa picked a D. Way to go. There actually is a D. In fact, there's another choice that I want to give you. And, and look at Teresa. You're so godly, Teresa. Y'all put Teresa's godly with some praise hands in the chat. Now, the third thing, I, or the, the option D that I want to give to you is this. Do you recalibrate? Now, you could take a moment and just try to get perspective. Where are they coming from? Why might they be saying this? And just kind of see their perspective. Some of us do this online or when we're in conversations at home. Some of us do this. But then there's another way to recalibrate. What does God say about this? Can I encourage them with the word? How many of us, when we detect outrage, when we are maybe frustrated at somebody voice their opinion on social media, how many of us take the time to say, you know what, I need to recalibrate? Before I respond, I want to make sure that whatever I say is going to be backed by Scripture. You know, I think that's an important thing for us to remember is we always want to speak out of Scripture. When I preach, and one of the reasons I'm, I'm doing so much of the Bible in this one is my opinion isn't really what matters. What matters is God's truth for a Christian. I would much rather make sure that what I'm saying is backed up by scripture and is the opinion of God, is the truth of God and not of me. So what are we going to do? We're going to follow Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, which says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. If you get outraged, if you get frustrated and you want to just voice your opinion, you're going to take a moment and you're going to, in all ways, your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. We're going to go to scripture before we retaliate or react or respond, whether online or in a discussion with our spouse or even our kids or our family or our friends, we're going to go to Scripture. Let Scripture speak to us and not necessarily our opinion. Remember, we want to value the name of Christ at all things. Now, the third thing, the third way in which we're going to respond is this. We're going to fulfill your ministry. Did you know you have a ministry? Some of you think, you know what, I'm not a minister. Joel, you're the minister. But that's not actually true. You are a minister. You're as much a minister as I am. And that's just, in fact, I've seen that more over the past few weeks that you guys minister, many of you better than I minister, honestly. And I've been impressed with you guys. This is what Paul says again to his friend Timothy. Again, talking about this context, the context of this right before this, I'm going to read just a little bit. 
is he says, listen, you know the, the situation. He says, they're going to be people that are difficult. There are people that are lovers of money, of self, of proud, arrogant, abusive. Some people have no self-control. Some people don't love what is good. Some people are swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than God. They have the appearance of godliness. Some people act like they're on the moral high ground, but they deny the power of God. He says, avoid those people. And then he gives this charge to Timothy, who's a minister just like you and I. He gives us this charge. This is what he says. I charge you in the presence of God and, G and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. He says this, preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. In other words, I jumped on Facebook just to, just to get a little, um, you know, a little entertainment, just to kind of get, get out of my mind a little bit. And now I saw this opinion. It's out of season, but I've got to be ready. Be ready to reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience. We sometimes get the rebuke right, right? We get the exhort. I'm going to tell you what I think. But he says, with complete patience and teaching in the word. All right, now continuing on, he says, for the time is coming. Can you imagine a time like this? Where people will not endure sound teaching. But having itchy ears, itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. You know, I see this more. I don't even know if Paul could have anticipated cable news, but I feel like this is a direct link to People are going to look. Maybe you're someone and you're all Fox News all the time. Maybe you're all CNN all the time. Maybe you're all MSNBC. I don't know, but we have these channels now that we can go to, and all they do is tell us what we want to hear. They suit our own passions. We begin to say what they say to us. Maybe it's a podcast for you. Maybe it's another outlet, a newspaper. But we begin to get these, these habits where we're listening to the same voices. Paul warns, he says, they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. We don't like to think of our opinions as myths, but that's exactly what Paul says they are. He says, as for you, in other words, as for you, Christ follower, as for you listening to this right now, he says, as for you, be sober-minded. says what we said earlier, endure suffering. Be willing to just let people think you're wrong. But then look what he says, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. You have a ministry. You are always in ministry, and you are always doing the work of an evangelist. Be ready. What is an evangelist? An evangelist is someone who spreads the good news. The gospel means good news, and it's that word, good news. To share the good news is what it means to be an evangelist. And so the question I want us to ask is, are we doing the work of an evangelist? Here's question number three. One of the things that Paul says was remember, he says, you need to put this to, you need to listen to people who are trained in the doctrine. Like he said that earlier. And then he says, there's going to be a time coming when people will not endure sound doctrine. So my question to us as Christ followers is what or who is the primary voice you listen to each week? And I just want to honestly, if we're going to be fulfilling a ministry and we're going to be comparing with scripture and we're going to be listening to the voice of God, if we're honest with ourselves, what is the primary voice? Go ahead and put that in the chat. I want to hear who is your primary voice. Now, to y'all here, who is, who's the primary voice, if you were to say? Who's the, Ashley, who's the primary voice you listen to? Probably like friends and family. 
Friends and family, that's, that's a voice many of us have speaking into us a lot. Another, are there any other voices? Netflix, Beth says Netflix. Again, a lot of praise hands probably on that. And that's, that's just the truth. And sometimes that's okay. I'm not saying it's not. But we've always got to be careful that to at least know what are the voices speaking into us. If you're on social media for 10 hours a day and you're in the Word for 10 minutes a day, that's going to affect your ministry. If you're listening to uh, the opinions of, of people that just continue to give you outrage, continue to make your blood boil, and, and then you spend just a few moments recalibrating with the word, that's going to have an effect, not just on your health. It's going to have an effect on your ministry. It's going to have an impact on what people think of the name of Jesus. And so what are we going to do? We're going to follow Proverbs 25 and 26. This is what it says. Like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is the good news from a far country. Imagine if you're in the desert and you're thirsty. He says that's what the gospel, that's what the good news of Christ is like. It's like cold water. So when we give words, whether it's online, whether it's to our friends and family that are living with us, we need to make sure that the words of a Christian should be like cold water to a thirsty soul. Now, the next thing he says, though, is kind of the, the warning. He says, but like a muddied spring or a polluted fountain is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. When we find ourselves, even as well-meaning Christ followers, getting caught up in the disputes and the arguments, whether they're online or whether they're around the dinner table, when we find ourselves getting caught up, it says we're like a muddied spring, a polluted fountain. We might have cold water, but it's been polluted, and we can actually do more harm than good. When we allow ourselves to be polluted, we want to be willing to suffer wrong. We want to make sure it's not our opinion, but instead we go to Scripture. We want to make sure also that we are always fulfilling our ministry and not just simply doing whatever we feel like, but understand that we've got to listen to God's word because he's the one that's given us the ministry. So here's the challenge as I, that I'm going to close with today. This is, might be the most difficult quarantine challenge I've ever given out, okay? I want to challenge you this week to have your number one source uh, of news intake, of, of voices speaking into you, be godly voices which means for some of us, we're going to have to change radically our habits. If we're on the news, if you're, if you're typically on the news constantly or on social media constantly, and maybe in your Bible for uh, a minute or two, I want to challenge you this week to get into, not only get into God's word, but maybe get in and listen to some podcasts, some sermons, some good, uh, healthy, Christ-following teaching. You know, that's another way in which we can go to, to brothers and sisters with good doctrine. But I want to challenge you also with the conversations you have at home to make sure that they are godly voices that we're speaking. And this week, if you're able to do this, I promise you, this is what's going to lift us through the next season we're about to go, where you're going to see people bubbling with outrage. You're going to see people bubbling with frustration. And you are going to be the voice, the cold water, because you're allowing God's ministry to flow through you. You don't have to solve the world's problems, remember, He's still got the whole world in his hands. Now, I hope this has been impactful for you, but more importantly, I hope that this changes our perspective for the week on how we're going to respond and react and recalibrate when we find ourselves getting frustrated. 
So I'm going to go ahead and close us in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for being a God that is all-powerful and has the whole world in your hands. Because, Lord, there are many of us here who each day, each week, each month, we find ourselves being frustrated, filled with anxiety because of things we can't control. And, Lord, we're often just tempted or drawn into to moments that, that do not glorify you because we are outraged, because we are mad or angry. Lord, I pray that this week we're going to have a, a humble perspective, knowing that we have a God who is all-powerful. Lord, I pray, pray that we will trust you to fight the battles that we feel like we need to fight. And Lord, I pray that in our silence, our willingness to suffer wrongs, that we will know that vengeance is, is the Lord's, that it is up to you to repay, that we don't have to step in and fight every battle. And Lord, I pray that you'll show us that even by our silence, that your name is being glorified. I pray that the church will become more and more unified this week and that people will see how unified, how loving we are, even when we disagree, that people will be drawn to the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you will give us a power this week to forgive those who hurt us, to forgive those that we live with and maybe just kind of irritating us. Lord, I pray that the spirit of forgiveness will be so overwhelming this week that again, your name will be lifted high. Lord, we know we don't have the power to do this. It's only by Jesus Christ that we're going to have the strength to do this. It's the only the Holy Spirit in us that can empower us to do this. So, Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to strengthen us this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.